Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, June 16th starts now on today's show. Ben welcomes back friend of the Ben Jarofsky show and friend of the parks, Juanita Irizarry. The Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. And if you like Ben Jarofsky, well, he's over there too. Head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this... <laughs> Modelo Friday, and here's why. Actually, it's all what a week where we uh, review uh, the week's worth of news with the distinguished guest. Juanita Irizarry has agreed to be my distinguished guest, so she's uh, standing by. She'll run through the news with me, but I just want to start off with this Modelo story. I'm following it fascinating. I confessed to uh, Juanita before the show began uh, that I've spent way too much time reading about this story. Um, <laughs> that's time I will never get back. And it's like any kind of time investment when you're in it, you're like, like really in it. And all of a sudden you look up at the clock and go, oh, my God, I've been reading about beer sales for a half an hour. <laughs> I need a life. Uh, anyway, so follow me in this one, ladies and gentlemen. This has to do with politics as well as beer. So for years and years and years, Bud Light was the number one selling beer in the United States of America. And then its share dropped as a result of a MAGA revolt. Yes, MAGA is revolting. I don't mean that MAGA is revolting, although I just said that. I mean that MAGA had a revolt. They were outraged. Outraged, I tell you, because Bud Light used in, I don't know, was, I don't even know if it was a commercial, uh, but they, uh, they were trying to broaden their appeal uh, for their beer. Uh, by using an influencer, a transgender influencer, uh, in a commercial, a promotional material. You know, I, all that reading I did, I actually did not discover what exactly. Was a commercial filmed? Was it just an ad? I couldn't see. Was, all I saw was the reaction to using a transgender influencer. And so there was a revolt by MAGA. They said that Anheuser-Busch had gone too far. They were trying to promote they were trying to like groom America and make America more open to trans people. God help us all with that one, huh? They were just like trying to shove their wokeness down the throats of good Americans who didn't want to drink it. And so they were not going to buy any more Bud Light. And they uh, had all kinds of responses. Kid Rock, Kid Rock, the... I don't know what he is. He's, I don't know if he's a singer or a rapper. Excuse my ignorance, ladies and gentlemen. I know he comes from Michigan. That's what, that much I know. And I know he did a cover 
of Sweet Home Alabama. That pretty much exhausts everything I know about Kid Rock, uh, except that he displayed his uh, support for the boycott of Bud Light by lining up Bud Light bottles and shooting them. <laughs> That's how MAGA uh, deals. <laughs> they won't, we're just going to shoot you. That's how MAGA shows it's, uh, it's upset. Anyway, so as a result of this boycott, Modelo has shot to number one. Modelo's Lager has shot to the number one in beer sales in the United States of America. And this like kind of like blew my mind. <laughs> Modelo is a Mexican-based brand uh, for years and years and years, owned by Mexican uh, uh, businessmen, entrepreneurs. It's a huge beer company uh, in the world. Sells millions and millions and millions and millions of bottles of beer all over the world, but it's based in Mexico. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought MAGA hated Mexicans number one. Isn't that what they said when Donnie, 2015, announced he was running? He goes, Mexicans are coming in over the border. Be they're rapists. Be afraid. Be very afraid. And MAGA just lost his little MAGA mind. You know, and they joined the revolt against immigration across the border. You know, lock them up and then throw them back. And they've been pounding that drum for eight years. And if, like... Done very well with it, I must say. I even see Democrats, you know, repeating some of the same MAGA talking points. Well, we do have a crisis at the border. And so now I know a little MAGA will come back with me. Well, we don't object to uh, <laughs> Mexican beer. We just object to Mexicans. I guess that's what they would say. And we don't care if Mexican beer comes across the border. We just care if... The Mexicans themselves come across the border. I'm trying to understand you, MAGA. I'm trying to understand inconsistencies of it. But here's the problem. As I was doing this deep dive and this beer bashing and trying to understand what it was that is like really motivating MAGA, uh, I uncovered something I did not know. And I must confess right now, uh, I was ignorant of this fact. Modelo is owned by the same company that owns Bud Light. Anheuser-Busch. Hello, Mega. <laughs> Memo to Mega. It's like the most worthless boycott in the world. So you're not going to drink Bud Light. You're going to drink Modelo. Well, that's just giving more money to Bush. I mean, it's sort of like you're mad at Walt Disney and you go, I'm not going to buy a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. I'm going to buy a Minnie Mouse t-shirt. It's all the same to Disney. They don't care if you wear Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse. And Isaac Bush is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. bring it in, baby. <laughs> Look, MAGA, I, I really do retain an open mind to you. I do. Your mind is closed to everything, but I retain an open mind. It's much the same way I had an open mind for years and years and years with the leading MAGA thinker in the city of Chicago for a while anyway. I don't think he is anymore. I think he's one of the leading MAGA minds in uh, the state of Indiana, and that would be jump shot Johnny Cass, who for years and years and years wrote a column for the Chicago Tribune, uh, extreme right-wing dribble. But I would read it, MAGA, every day. I'd be like, you know what? I have an open mind. Maybe today is the day that Johnny Cass will write something that will convince me to view the world in a new way. You know, I want to be open to new ideas. No, <laughs> every day I'd read it go, nope. Another day, Dr. Drain didn't convince me anything. It's more right-wing dribble. Now here we go with MAGA taking a principled stand against, I don't know what they're taking a principled stand against. Really, truly MAGA. 
like exit against trans people. I mean, I guess that ultimately you're just showing your utter hatred uh, to trans people. That's your principled stand. So you're going to but you the way you shield it is to say you're taking a principled stand against woke corporate corporations. So your principled stand against woke corporation is going to benefit the woke corporation that you're boycotting. Maga, maga, maga. What are we going to do with this? All right. Without further ado, I'm going to bring on Juanita Irizarry, dear friend of the show, executive director of Friends of the Parks. And whenever Juanita comes on the show, I say, Juanita, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. So just sit by while I say this. The views and opinions of Juanita's are Juanita's. They are not friends of the parks. If she says something that gets you mad, don't blame it on friends of the park. It's not their fault. It's Juanita's fault. She's That's a grown right. woman. And MAGA, let me remind you something. We have the First Amendment. You say you believe in the First Amendment? Well, that First Amendment applies not just to you, but to Juanita. So leave her alone, ladies and gentlemen, if she says something you don't like, okay? Uh, welcome back, Juanita. Thanks so much for having me. And I, I got to say, while you were talking, you got me curious. I had to look this up because I was thinking about this whole Modelo thing. And I was like, well, we're not really big beer drinkers in my household. I personally don't drink beer. I don't like it. But my spouse might drink a Corona, not a Modelo. But then I was like, wait a minute. Are these different companies? Are they the same company? <laughs> so I looked it all up while you were talking just now and realized that yeah. Corona and Modelo are also both the same company, also owned by the same company that owns Bud Light, right? Yeah. So to solve that problem, we might need to drink Medalla, <laughs> which is Puerto Rican, actually. But I personally don't drink beer, like I said. So, but I, I will joke, I'm not much of a drinker at all, but I do often joke that this Puerto Rican, if she drinks anything, usually drinks rum, a rum and coke, a mojito, those are my kind of thing. And, but since I drink so little, my friends often joke, like, how is it that you can, you know, sit there and drink a rum and coke and it basically has no effect on you when you basically hardly ever drink. And I guess it's just the Puerto Rican genes, it's in the blood somehow. <laughs> Wait, well, tell me, what's the Puerto Rican beer I should be drinking? I'm going to write it medalla, down. Medalla. Although a lot of my Puerto Rican friends drink Corona. So I, I'm not a beer drinker, but I must yeah. confess, I do like Corona with the lime. Mm, it's the, yeah. the, it's, it really is the only beer that I drink. I'm not, again, I'm not much of a drinker anyway, although I do really enjoy red wine. But um, so that's the one beer I like. You had a point, though, before we went in the air. I'd love to hear you riff on before we move on to what's on your mind. And you were pointing out that Bud Light had the worst of both worlds, the way they handled uh, this boycott. Take it away. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So I didn't actually see the, the commercial thing or whatever it was. I, I eventually, I think I saw on some news report that it was maybe a TikTok, some kind of social media post by this influencer. So that's when I learned about this. And I did see that whole shooting the Bud Light thing. I didn't realize I was Kid Rock, but I did see that response. But apparently, you know, there was pushback against this because this was this transgender influencer. So then Bud Light was like, oops. And their response to the pushback really irritated, you know, the transgender community, LGBTQ advocates. And so now they've had a loss on that side as well. So all around, you know, this has not gone well for Bud Light. Yeah. But, you know, it's complicated. And, you know, like you said, they even own Modelo. So maybe it didn't go so bad for them after all. But it's kind of crazy. 
It is utterly insane. And uh, Dylan Mulvaney is the name of the uh, transgender uh, influencer. Uh, I wrote it down on my piece of paper and then I couldn't read my handwriting. So I didn't want to butcher the name. Uh, True confession time. That and the fact that I persist in putting an N in Modelo uh, when he just already corrected me once. Uh, Lord knows if I make that mistake again. Uh, The struggles of Ben Jarofsky as he goes through life with dyslexia. All right. So I will say this. Here's my recommendation and advice uh, for corporations, which they should ignore because uh, I have n- I know nothing about marketing. But if you're going to take a stand, take the stand. Yeah. You know, if if uh, and I think of Nike at this moment. So Nike chose to take a stand with Colin Kaepernick, the football player who took the knee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. forgot him. Yeah. Uh, and they put out a Colin Kaepernick shoe. Uh, they did commercials uh, uh, that uh, championed uh, the message he was delivering uh, and then praised him for taking a bold stand. And they didn't care if MAGA boycotted their shoe. And MAGA ultimately realized that. And I, I, if they were boycotting Nike, they've pulled back. They may never in a million years buy Nike because they're angry, but they've not make it, made it a thing. And furthermore... Anybody who's even remotely sympathetic uh, to Colin Kaepernick and the stands he's taken will now gravitate toward Nike for that very reason. So I'm like, you know, Bud Light, if you're going to use Dylan Mulvaney uh, in a TikTok or whatever it is that you use Dylan Mulvaney in, then stay with it. Don't run from it. Don't go run for the hills as soon as there's a little opposition. Let him burn your, let Kid Rock shoot your beer up. <laughs> take a freaking stand. If you're going to take the stand, take the stand. Doesn't make any good to like, oh, I have second thoughts about the stand I was going to take. Because then it really undercuts your stand. I'm like, I'm not going to sympathetically drink Bud Light. Now, I wouldn't drink Bud Light in a million years anyway. But I wouldn't sympathetically drink a Corona going, I am drinking this Corona because I want to subsidize the company that promoted their beer with Dylan Mulvaney. No, I'm just going to drink Corona because oh, I love the lime with the little beer. So that's my advice, uh, Juanita, which they are free to ignore. Which mm-hmm. I don't. Well, well, you're making me think about the Goya boycott, actually. And, you know, do boycotts work and blah, 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 blah. And I'm pretty sure that in the end, Goya actually ended up with higher sales after their CEO praised Trump. And people like me stopped buying Goya products. Um, But I must admit, recently, I did order some Goya sofrito from Target because I wasn't ready to run to the little grocery store down the street where I could get better sofrito anyway. Um, So, you know, these whole boycott thing, it's a complicated world. I actually, you came on the show once and talked about the Goya boycott. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, It's all coming together. And by the way, MAGA is also boycotting Target. So you buy your goods from Target. Yeah, Maggie is boycotting Target because Target had a uh, had a Pride Month for the uh, middle, yes. middle of Pride Month. So uh, yes. Target uh, had Pride Month. I don't know special sales. There were a lot of products at Target. Yeah. I did run into them just when I ran into the store the other day with T-shirts and stuff like that. Although probably the LGBTQ community community wants more than stupid T-shirts um, when it comes to you know Pride anyway. So. Well, where's your, uh, the, is the target that you went to in the city of Chicago? 
this particular one, I was on vacation in California and ran into my okay. babies. <laughs> All right. Okay. So you're in Cali, which yeah. is uh, a MAGA unfriendly state by and large. Yes. If that target were in, let's say, Florida or Texas, I doubt very much you would have seen uh, yeah. those displays. Maybe it would depend what town, maybe, I don't know. Orlando, yeah, maybe but, Austin, yeah. But hey, you know. Uh, all right, let's move on to what is on your mind. What's burning in your brain right now uh, from this week's news? Go ahead, Juanita. Yeah, well, I went from, you know, going to Trump, partly because we were talking about Trump the other day and, you know, all of his being in the news this week, um, being under indictment. And I actually get quite a lot of joy out of that. Um, but, you know, when I think about it and I think of my friends and family, including some who live in Florida and Texas, and, you know, they, are along different parts of the continuum, you know, sometimes people say back to me, well, you know, how would you feel if Biden got arrested? Or how would you feel if Hillary Clinton got arrested? And honestly, my answer is, if they did something wrong, then lock them all up. You know, that's kind of generally how I see the world, you know, and been really, personally, my own political space is really involved in, you know, pushing back against corruption in Chicago government. Um, so I've been reading this week about family members of Joe Berrios, you know, his son-in-law is now going to jail, apparently, and family members of state rep Eddie Acevedo, his two sons are in trouble, you know, and my response to all of that is, please, it doesn't help our democracy for any of these people to get away with this stuff. So whether it's Trump, whether it's an Acevedo, and I, I engaged with one of the Acevedo sons when he was working on Governor Quinn's campaign, and I was working in the Quinn office, and you know what? I don't really care who's who. Lock them up, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and you, if you're in these spaces, you run across these characters, you really can't avoid them. And, you know, it's really hard to stay completely clean in this city, in this county, in this state, um, because there's so much of this stuff. Um, but I just say lock them all up. Well, all right. So um, this dovetails into one of my favorite themes, uh, <laughs> which I wrote about uh, earlier this week for the rear. And that is, well, this the larger theme is that Democrats and Republicans live in separate worlds with separate rules governing each. Uh, in the Democratic world, if you break the law uh, or if there are charges raised against you for breaking the law, if you're indicted for allegedly breaking the law and forced to go on trial mm -hmm. at the public's expense for breaking the law, uh, then you have to be held accountable for that. You're not allowed to blame it on a vendetta or a witch hunt yeah. by a partisan, in quotes, a prosecutor. Uh, you have to address the specific issues that have been leveled against you. Now, if you can prove and establish that there is a wide-ranging pattern of abuse by the prosecutor against people like you, then you have to make that clear, and you have to do it in a coherent and rational and reasonable way. Uh, not just to do it to divert from the fact that you broke the law. So when Democrats uh, face the jury for having broken the law, Juanita, be it Michael Joseph Madigan, Michael Joseph Madigan's four cohorts in the Madigan uh, tri uh, trial that just ended, uh, Alderman Ed Burke, who is going to be uh, going to trial very soon, uh, or... Uh, the Acevedo's, Joe Barrios' son-in-law, James Weiss, that you were just alluding mm -hmm. to. Um, 
when when the Democrat is facing that charge, there is no nobody that I know of in Cook County has rallies to say you're the victim, James Weiss. You're the victim, Michael Joseph Madigan. You're the victim, Edward. Nobody does that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any Democrat. In fact, yeah. usually the people complaining the loudest are other Democrats. Yeah. They always say the press has a left bias. Every single reporter covering the Madigan trial, the Madigan fortune. <laughs> <laughs> if they have a bias, it's yeah. for thems if they have the bias. Okay. Yeah. So it's like MAGA, on the other hand, when Donnie Trump breaks the law or allegedly breaks the law, immediately says, Oh my God, they're picking on us. Oh my God, they have a vendetta. Oh my God, Joe Biden's mean. Oh my God, we got to get rid of Merrick Garland. And then Juanita, they move like, a, like to defund the police movements. Like we're going to defund justice. We're going to defund the FBI. We're going to uh, keep Merrick Garland from being able to fill vacancies in the Justice Department so we can starve them and they won't be able to prosecute anymore. Do they want the cops or do they not want the cops? Like I'm confused. Once again, a lot of inconsistency <laughs> in the part of MAGA. And you and I are struggling to understand the logic there. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. so, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this to you. I'll get your response to this. Mm -hmm. uh, so I struggle with this. I admit, I'm going to make a confession. Because I've spent, you know, most of my life as a writer here in Chicago battling Pretty much the same people you've been battling, uh, yeah. Juanita. Yeah. I just started a little That's early. That's why I like you so much. Because <laughs> I'm older than you. <laughs> and then, you know what I'm saying? And I do it. We're the same basic party. I'm a Democrat. I admit it. I vote Democrat every time. But I'm fighting Madigan. I'm fighting mm -hmm. Burke. I'm fighting Berrios. I'm fighting just go to Daily, Rom, all of a Like, after a while, I'm like, you know what? It It's not a two-way street. I'm watching this lawlessness by MAGA trying to, like, election violations that Michael Joseph Madigan wouldn't even dream of doing, mm -hmm. trying to reverse an election, and yeah. there's no support coming from the Republicans. They don't play by the same rules. They think Trump should be pardoned mm -hmm. even before he's convicted. Yeah. You know, that's what they're pushing for. So yeah. I, it makes me less, how do I say this? I'm losing my appetite to just to like feel so much to, to like bash democratic corruption in Chicago. I I'm, I'm yeah. not condoning it. I'm just like, yeah. When I hear Johnny Cass bash uh, Trump yeah. for trying to steal an election, then maybe, you know, I'll join the chorus with, yeah. uh, but I'm never hearing it. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I hear that a bit. And I hear friends, uh, you know, that I've done a lot of, politics with on the streets in my neighborhoods kind of say similar things it's almost like well they do it so we might as well do it but i personally have never been kind of an ends justifies the means kind of person um and i worry about our democracy if we let it go there right i mean i think that even if we lose some small battles because we insist on doing it clean um that we, we lose our entire country um, if we decide to just let it all go to hell in a handbasket because, hey, the Republicans do it, so the Democrats should do it too. 
Unfortunately, I, you know, I think we tread too close to that line quite a lot uh, in Illinois. And I, I don't think it's helped us, to be honest with you. Um, so I personally, uh, <laughs> makes me an outsider, even among my outsider friends, um, <laughs> to be honest, you know. <laughs> well, okay, so to quote Richard Nixon, let me be perfectly clear about this. It's, <laughs> it's not like I'm saying don't punish James Weiss or Michael right. Joseph Madigan or Ed Burke. Yeah. Let the chips fall where they may. You know, I believe that we need this kind of prosecution uh, so we don't just become a completely corrupt city. And I believe it's now, Juanita, I'm thinking this. I moved to Chicago in 81. So that's over 40 years of just steady prosecution against Democratic, corrupt Democratic officials. Mm -hmm. That is just slowly, slowly changing the culture Mm -hmm. of chicago and all very slowly okay but it is changing the culture to some degree Mm -hmm. and uh so i welcome that and i applaud that what i was saying is Mm -hmm. i'm just like i'm seeing the world as greater something greater than the city of chicago and realize that the threats we're facing are outside of chicago are greater than the threats i believe we're facing inside Chicago. So I'm yeah. losing a little of my enthusiasm yeah. for joining in on the bashing yeah. of Democrats yeah. uh, locally. That's- no, I get I get that. I, I still think that if we look at it from the point of view of the percentage of people that actually participate in electoral politics in our city and in our country, I always go back to, well, they think you're all the same. Right. And for all the door knocking that I have done for myself and other candidates, you know, the number of times people are like, I don't care. Y'all are the same. I don't care how nice you seem on the doors right now. Y'all are the same. Right. And so until people actually experience that they're not the same and and really feel and believe that we're not the same, that I think that that's part of why we have such slow voter turnout. Right. And so, you know, when I talk with folks about you know what, when I was doing some politics back in the 1990s to try to get rid of Alderman Jesse Granado and somebody's, you know, car was firebombed in the middle of the night, one of my colleagues who was doing a lot of organizing, I'm talking about a Democrat, right? You know, and when I talk about folks that, you know, I and others have run against who, you know, go to all the senior homes and help people sign, you know, their absentee ballots and send it in and those seniors may not actually know what actually happened and who they voted for, right? We're talking about Democrats. So, you know, at what point are we going to say, really, that's not that different, right? And and that can't be how. And then it's like, well, that's just the same. We have to play the game better than they do. And I'm like, well, yeah. I don't want to play the same game. I'm playing a whole different game, right? So if that's the game that we're trying to win at, then I'm out, right? Yeah. That's actually part of why I'm out these days, <laughs> so, you know? You're not completely out. Not completely out. Uh, yeah. Haven't been doing the same level of retail politics door-to-door stuff that I used to do. Let's put it right. That. Yeah. I have two responses before we move on from this topic. One, the way my brain works, mm-hmm. and this is a cry for help. When you mentioned Jesse Granado, a name I hadn't thought about in a long mm-hmm. time, yeah. I, I thought, boom, former alderman of the first ward. And then I wrote down, without looking on a phone, mm-hmm. I wrote down, just to see if my brain worked. All the first ward aldermen who have followed him, mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. uh, just to see if I could still do it. And let me mm -hmm. see if I got it right. Jesse Granado mm -hmm. to Nanny Flores to Proco Joe Moreno to Dan Laspada. Did I get it right? You got it. You wow. got it. I just saw Manny Flores last week, gave him a big hug because we helped bring him over the top in his runoff election. Because at the time I was working the 35th Ward election and we got Ray Colon in over Vilma Colon. Vilma still hates me for that. And then, you know, since since Ray won straight out, you know, a bunch of us went across the street and said, okay, Manny, let's do this. And, you know, Manny was there for a while, but then he stepped away and handed away to Joe Moreno, which uh, I don't know was the best thing ever. <laughs> you know? Hey, but now my former staffer, Daniel Lispada's alderman, so that's not so bad. Is that right? I didn't know he was a former staffer. Yep. So when you were talking about the victory of working on Manny Flores' campaign and his victory and then working with Ray Colomb, I, I, I remember writing about all those campaigns, and I remember Ray Cologne beating uh, uh, Vilma, and I remember uh, when Manny uh, edged out Jesse Granado and how close yep. it was. Uh, and it, it connects to what we were talking about, the slow process of, quote-unquote, cleaning up Chicago. Mm -hmm. And yep. each one of those elections was significant because it was like an a good insurgency as opposed to overtaking the capital uh, yes. and to undo an election. It was Chicago correcting or healing itself. It was Chicago rebelling against machine politics. Uh, and uh, listen, I really welcome Ray Colon's win. I thought mm -hmm. Ray was a great guy. He took some tough stands back in what was it, about 2003 i want to say my memory may be wrong there. yeah it's about the right time and, and he voted against the uh parking meter deal give him a shout out but yeah. by 2015 he ray had lost the confidence of reformers in his logan square ward and carlos ramirez rosa emerged and denounced ray as yeah. like a dinosaur, a machine hack, etc., and so forth. And it's just like all part of a process mm -hmm. that has been going on. One year that I was talking about yep. since I moved here in the 80s, part of it is in court where there's corruption trials. Uh, and so this is why I reject the notion for MAGA or for even alienated Democrats that they're all the same because they're not all the same. This is my main <laughs> point. One group really plays by rules and the others doesn't. You get my point? No, you're right. You're right. And they're not all the same amongst the Democrats that even younger folks now look back at Ray Cologne and it's all the same. Like, I'm, well, I actually knew these people. <laughs> you know what? Some of you guys are going to have the next generation calling you all the same, right? Because <laughs> it's hard and people wander off into the wrong places sometimes and it's hard to keep everybody happy, right? So. Yeah, so we'll be we'll get into this in a little bit because uh, it may reflect on oh, uh, Carlos, the decisions Carlos have to make. I'm very um, closely and with great interest watching where that goes. Yes, uh, mm -hmm. Carlos Ramirez was a dear friend of the show. Uh, is has for the last eight years. I just had to do that math really fast. Uh, been one of the, the probably the most outspoken leftists on the Chicago City Council, uh, pushing for what. I guess they call them progressive uh, uh, policies on taxation and distribution of money. He's now the floor leader for Brandon Johnson. We're gonna that moves me to what I'm about to say, uh, because Brandon Johnson is no longer a candidate. Uh, Brandon Johnson is a mayor, 
And when you're a mayor, you have to appeal to the entire city, more or less, uh, especially if you're a lefty. Uh, mayor Rahm didn't feel that constraint. Mayor Rahm gave the middle finger uh, to yes. everybody, the leftist persuasion from the moment he was running for office to the moment he left office. We'll yep. talk about Lincoln Yards in a little while. Yeah. Uh, so it all is coming to my, in my head, Juanita, a couple of headlines. Uh, one was um, this headline. Let me call it up. I think it was in, in Cranes. I had a laugh when I read it. Uh, I'm going to get it right here. It had to do with Paul Vallis, who as much as Northside liberals want to forget, was the candidate who ran for mayor uh, in April. And he is the MAGA guy that you, Northside liberals, voted for. Now you're trying to pretend he didn't really do it. I, I predicted that within a year, no Northside liberal would admit that he or she voted for Paul Vallis, even though like over 50% of them did. Uh, here's the headline in the cranes. Paul Vallis's new role might reveal something about his true political leanings. <laughs> Hello? Paul Vallis has been revealing his true political leanings for the last 10 years. He's a MAGA man. Uh, he just got a gig with the Illinois Policy Institute, which is a right-wing outfit. Uh, you could just read about Go read McDumkey's uh, articles on them for ProPublica, exposing them. That's like the old Rauner gang. Uh, that tried to destroy unions uh, and collective bargaining rights in the state of Illinois. And uh, so Paul Vallis is now going to be shilling for them. He writes a column uh, for the Tribune, uh, which I I don't know. It's it's basically MAGA stuff. Uh, his hatred of the Chicago Teachers Union continues. The MAGA man. You, you cannot not be a MAGA man and substitute for Danny Prof when he goes on vacation on his show. Hello. <laughs> I was, come on, Northside liberals. You were kidding yourself. Come on, Artie Duncan. You were fooling yourself. PC Peter Cunningham will be coming on my show next week. You were fooling yourself. You guys all fooled yourself about Paul Vallis because I don't know what you were scared about Brandon Johnson. Not, you were, you were like afraid. You've been so brainwashed that I hate the Chicago Teachers Union that any candidate who is comes from the teachers union is somebody you don't trust. So that's where you were at. You convinced yourself that Paul Vallis was a lifelong Democrat, even though he's not. And now you're acting surprised when he joins the Illinois Policy Institute. Oh, my God. Could he be really showing his true colors? Crane opines. Yes. They were there all along. You just had your eyes closed. You can't see his true colors if you have your eyes closed, which brings me to this headline, and I can't wait to hear you riff on this. So this is in today's uh, bright one, Chicago Sun-Times, Fran Spielman. Business leader says Johnson off to a very encouraging start. It's an interview with the Chamber of Commerce president, Jack Lavin. Chamber of Commerce is generally pro-business, pro-TIF, particularly if the TIFs are downtown and uh, anti-everybody else is getting the money. They want the business community to get the money, but they don't want, like, I don't know, poor people to get the money. That's kind of just basically how it boils down. But he says he's surprised. He's pleased with Brandon Johnson. And this is like that he's like a, a reasonable human being, that he's a pleasant, that he listens, and that he just does not immediately disagree. With what you have to say, more or less, he's saying, well, I'll think about it. Like, let me get back to you. Uh, and I'm like, Juanita, I think this is like the third article I've read like this in the Sometimes. Like, oh, my God, he's not a monster. I met him. He wasn't Joseph Stalin. And, you know, I think it was uh, Johnny Catanzara, the head of Fraternal Order Police, said something like this. But this is the one that really got to me. 
old boy who whose name I'm blanking on and runs Sterling Bay. I can't remember his name at the moment. I'm doing those top of my head. Andy Gore. Yeah, thank you. You would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Andy is his first name. We'll just call him Andy. Andy had one. Oh, what a refreshing breath of fresh air here. Like Brandon Johnson is open-minded about Lincoln Yards. Lori Leifert was so mean about Lincoln Yards, and she didn't help us promote Lincoln Yards. Uh, but now we have Brandon Johnson, and we have a good chance to get Lincoln Yards off the ground because the reason it isn't off the ground is because Lori Lightfoot, that mean mayor, wouldn't support us enough. And now maybe even going to turn to the Chicago Teachers Union Pension Fund, the Teachers Pension Fund, to be an investor in the project. And I really am so happy that Brandon Johnson is our mayor. I'm like, God, help me here. Okay. Help me with this one. I need some help with this one. Take it away, one. I know. I mean, there's so many things that you just said that crack me up or make me just remember the interesting spaces that I've walked alongside people in politics. But you know, my Facebook page has been pulling up memories lately. And I, Puerto Rican parade, you know, it's that time of the year. And I just saw a picture of myself marching in the Puerto Rican parade on behalf of Governor Quinn with Paul Vallis. Woohoo! <laughs> So, you know, you know, we, I remember the conversations about, you know, Vallis back at that time. I wasn't on the political team of Quinn. I did just a little tiny bit of, you know, on the side of volunteerism um, since I was actually working on staff for him. But I remember the conversations about Vallis really being brought on board to try to get the Republicans to vote for Quinn. So anyway. <laughs> that is so true. Great memory. Right. He was uh, Quinn's running mate in 2004. Yeah. What was it? I'm losing track. 14. 14, right. And it didn't work. But anyway, (laughs) so I don't know why we're surprised that Quinn is that guy, you know, that that Vallis is that guy that's at least in the middle, not over on the Republican side. But anyway, um, you know, we were talking about Lincoln Yards and Sterling Bay and all that. And I, I, I remember not so long ago, there was an article that I read in Bloomberg and it came out, I guess, Cranes printed it as well in which Sterling Bay was blaming all of the delays and they're not being able to move forward on Lincoln Yards on Lori Lightfoot not cooperating. And I literally busted out you know, and I busted out laughing because I have an awful lot of context because I'm on the Lincoln Yards Community Advisory Council um, and, you know, Friends of the Parks participates there because there's supposed to be a bunch of public green space and we were invited by Lightfoot to be uh, on that committee where I was. And, um, you know, we struggle all the time to get Lightfoot to make life hard for Sterling Bay. I mean, the whole entire time, it felt like Lori was giving them whatever they wanted. So to see them complaining that Lightfoot is a reason for their delay, I literally busted out laughing. I was emailing with, you know, other folks in our group. Someone had sent along the article and I just, I was just seriously cracking up. And because we have had to like really remind the city that they need to make sure that Sterling Bay is held accountable. We need to push the city to ever ask them any questions. We need to push the city to remind them that there are river edge design guidelines that should be followed, that the city passed under Rahm Emanuel's administration. And every time we would see a presentation from Sterling Bay, it seems that everybody from Sterling Bay to the city had forgotten that there were existing guidelines. You know, so to have this idea that it was Lightfoot was giving them a hard time, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some things behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of, but I had the 
exact opposite impression, right? And then there's this pandemic and an economic slowdown that meant that there just wasn't a market for a lot of the stuff they wanted to do. And, you know, the things that they would bring forward to the Community Advisory Council were often out of order of what they said that they were going to bring to us. You know, they said, oh, we we're going to do this. Oh, never mind. We're not going to do this. We're going to do this other thing because a different economic opportunity seems to have arisen. And but most of it's not working. Right. But that doesn't have anything to do with Lori Lightfoot. Not that I'm trying to defend Lori Lightfoot. But the other very interesting thing about this conversation is reading about folks like Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who were aligned with those of us who were trying to delay or stop the megatiff, right? And folks like Amisha Patel, who was very much leading the anti-megatiff effort and, you know, even sued over that, and then was on, you know, Brandon's transition team, you know, now talking like, hey, Lincoln Young, this might be a really cool <laughs> thing. I just, I got some more good laughs out of that one. So, you know, I will say my thoughts about it are hopefully now there's a mayor who will actually try to say, let's actually make this be good for the little guy somehow, right? Because we keep getting reminded by staff at the DPT level that there's already stuff that has been passed in the TIF that cannot be changed. Like we heard that all the time from the city. We cannot make them do anything different than what is already in the TIF, what was approved, the plan development, et cetera, et cetera. And when they introduce things to you at the committee, it's just advisory. I've heard that a thousand times, right? However, if Sterling Bay is having to go back to folks like the teachers union and others to try to get some money to make this work, then maybe the city now needs to come in and say, we're going to change the terms of this deal. Right. And we really are going to try to get a bunch more affordable housing because that was one of the things that Alderman Ramirez Rosa mentioned that this project was supposed to provide. Right. So let's get a higher percentage of affordable housing. Let's get more actual public green space out of the deal. Let's make sure there's real planning for public schools and how is this money going to serve the families that maybe should be moving in here, not just the corporations or the single individuals in their one bedroom condos, right? Um, so maybe it is an opportunity. So as I thought about, you know, Ramirez Rosa's comments, I thought, okay, let's take this moment to really make it something different, but let's not just say, sure, Sterling Bay, we'll give you the investment you need, but you can keep doing whatever the heck you want to do. Yeah. No guardrails. Uh, That's great riff. And um, yeah, the reality is, and also very important just to, uh, as Juanita is saying, go into this understanding what went down here yep. and not rewrite history for the sake of political convenience. So the reality is that Mayor Rahm, in his last city council meeting, at his last city council meeting, and over 30 of the aldermen, many of them were still in the city council, yep. awarded a $1.3 billion handout to these developers to develop was essentially an upscale project in an already gentrifying area. And as Juanita just put a point, as Juanita pointed out, Lori Lightfoot campaigned against that handout. Candidate Lightfoot campaigned against that light up, that, that handout. She was uh, already mayor elect when mm -hmm. the council approved it. Yep. Uh, and she pretended as though 
uh, she had forced them to make serious reforms, and then she said, okay, you have my blessing. There were no serious reforms that she made. It was still the handout. Uh, it was a deal that she campaigned against and then sanctioned. And then when Amisha Patel went to court with her activists to undo it, Lori Lightfoot sent in the lawyers at our expense to fight Amisha Patel's lawsuit. Yep. And got some judge, you can always get a judge to side with the city on a TIF deal, to throw mm -hmm. out Amisha Patel's lawsuit. So you can't tell me, Sterling Bay, that Lori Lightfoot was your enemy. She went to bat for you at least twice in a very meaningful way, particularly with that lawsuit. Yep. And what happened, as Juanita said, was we had a pandemic that has destroyed essentially the office real estate industry in this city. And so much of that project was based on getting corporations, or I don't know who was gonna move their offices there. And now Juanita, we're, I just read in the same article where uh, Jack Lavin is talking about how great Brandon is, how it's uh, radically changed, and uh, that the office uh, uh, environment is ra radically changed. We can't we may have to confront the fact that 50% of vacancies will exist in the downtown office market. So that's what you're facing, Sterling yep. Bay. Got nothing to do with Lori Life, but she didn't do anything. I'm yep. sorry. I think we write history, Juanita. And it, like, and you're an old guy like me, you go, no, I still remember this. Don't force me to accept a rewritten version of the path. Yep. Now, are you hopeful that uh, Brandon Johnson or the teacher's pension fund, if they give a green light to Lincoln Yards, that they could force Sterling Bay to do what Sterling Bay should have done? Well, how many years ago um, was it? I, mean, I, years ago? I just think there shouldn't be any terms by which anybody gives Sterling Bay anything without making them make those changes, right? So I'm not at the tables, nobody's asking me. Uh, and we don't know yet if the new mayor is gonna re-up the Lincoln Yards Community Advisor Council and if anybody's gonna ask me any opinion in any space. <laughs> But it does seem like it's an opportunity, right? If Sterling Bay is shopping for help, right? Say, well, here's the terms if we're going to help you, right? And here's the things that you've not committed to under what was passed before, right? And now's a chance to go back and say, there are going to be amendments to this, right? Because we heard that from DPD staff all the time. We can't make them amend this. <laughs> well, how about now? Make them amend it. <laughs> So. Yeah. Oh, my God. They'll say anything. Uh, by the way, I urge everybody to check out uh, in Cranes. You figure out a way to get around the paywall or just pay for it. Danny Ecker's article on this. They really great uh, job breaking down uh, what's going on with the Lincoln Yard deal, the problems that Sterling Bay is facing, uh, the appeal they've made uh, to the teacher's pension fund. Uh, and in their appeal, they more or less uh, tell the truth about their project, which is you always have to read like these, the documents that they give to the prospective investors when they ever learn the truth about something. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't depend on your city planning department to tell you the truth about a project. You gotta wait till you read the prospectus that the lawyers for the developer, the developer himself, give the potential investors, you know, where there's real due diligence and- <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. By the way, while we're talking about it, let me just throw in the one other thing I'm really worried about from a parks perspective is 
you know, if they end up breaking up the parcel and having lots of smaller owners, which I think I read, you know, that they, they're trying to figure out if really Sterling Bay will continue to hold on to the whole thing, which was originally their vision, that that's really going to hurt what we have heard them say that they're going to do with the green space, that it's basically a big park. Now, it's not going to be handed over to the park district, and that's because the park district did not accept Sterling Bay's offer to take it, which I would love to talk to the new mayor about, because that was the old superintendent, Mike Kelly, who said no to it. And under Rosa Escaremi and a new mayor, I'd love for them to say yes. However, if they're going to like sell off the parcels ultimately and not maintain ownership of the whole thing, what we may end up with is a whole bunch of little tiny backyards for a bunch of little condo buildings and not actual big open green space, which was one of the things that Rob Emanuel bragged about so much. We saw this quote all the time. This is a Daniel Burnham planning moment, and this is going to be the next lakefront. All this great public green space and access to the river. And I'm really afraid that that's all going to go away if this whole thing kind of falls apart and it becomes little tiny parcels. Yeah, no, that is a great point. And um, listen, I personally, for what it's worth, uh, would like to see the city continue the pro process of making a green space all up and down the Chicago River yep. uh, as much as you can. So you can, you can take your walks there, stroll there, jog there, bike there, whatever. Uh, yep. You know, just look up at the sky and contemplate the existence of the world, whatever you want to do. Read a poem, write a poem. Urban uh, you know, life for a minute. Yes. Uh, and uh, But if you don't stay on them, they will run away from that because yep. they view that as valuable land. Uh, and we're going to get into this in the city of Chicago. This is, I know this next on your mind in the city of Chicago park space by and large is not viewed as park space. It's viewed as vacant space to be developed, to be yes. leased out, to be yes. rented out, to make some money, to have one of your cronies make money. This is how Chicagoans tend to view park space. Yep. Uh, well, hey, we want to have an Olympics in Chicago. Let's just turn our parks into the venue for the Olympics and close them down to the public for, what, five years while we build the Olympics? And then five, mm -hmm. years, five years until we get the clutter out of there? All right. And that I mean, and it's even more dangerous if it's privately owned public space, right? Because and that's what happened with the Lincoln Yards proposal is that, well, this is going to be available to the public, but it's going to remain privately owned, right? And what we've seen across the city is that in various contexts, parcels that were supposed to remain parks end up getting built on because the private owner decides to just go ahead and build on that space. And, and there's not enough oversight in the city for parcels where they got that green space because it was a trade-off for getting a, you know, a bonus for building higher, for example, right? Um, but there's nobody making sure that they follow through. Or it's supposed to be, you know, kept open as public space, but they've got it, you know, fenced off all the time and saying, oops, we haven't been able to maintain it. Well, for God's sake, then it's not a park. It's not a park. <laughs> so. yeah. uh, all right. Uh, let's move uh, to what else is on your mind, which is very much related uh, to this issue. And uh, I know it has to deal with concerts in the park. So take it away, Juanita. Yeah, well, in a way, this, com this conversation even connects to Lincoln Yards, because I was just saying 
to someone and talking about the concerts and parks issue um, that when you know developers or concert promoters do community engagement quote unquote in order to then get permission from the city to do whatever it is they want to do that they tend to do these little one-on-one -on -one conversations that are private where they try to give you the goodies that you want for your organization and then they go back and say we had all these community meetings and that exactly happened with friends of the parks with lincoln yards sterling bay had a meeting with us and said hey what if we do this because we think this will make friends of the parks happy and even though we didn't agree to anything then they put us on the list saying hey we met with friends of the parks we did community engagement and they try to pretend that all the issues were taken care of because we said because we sat in a meeting with them in which we didn't even agree with them Right. And, and, you know, we've just heard the Park District Board of Commissioners yesterday, you know, praise Riot Fest for giving a bunch of goodies to the community. Now, you know, I will say they did give Riot Fest a little bit of a hard time. Right. But once again, you know, Riot Fest goes out and gives grants to certain nonprofit organizations. Right. The ones that are hooked up that are willing to get on a bus and wear the t-shirt and go to the meeting and say, yes, I support Riot Fest. Um, and lots of other community members who've been fighting for months against this thing don't get anything out of the deal, right? And so there's just this whole way things get done in Chicago that really make me sick. Um, and after sitting and standing outside the Park District Board meeting this week, because the line was out the door, honestly, like the, the room was at capacity, by the way, at their brand new Chicago Park District building, which was this was the first Park District board meeting in their conference room, which they clearly did not build big enough to host these meetings. Um, a bunch of people were out in the lobby. I couldn't even get on the lobby and I had to go to the bathroom. So I told my staff, I'm going to go to Dunkin Donuts and I'm going to get some coffee and go to the bathroom and come back. So then for a while, I was standing outside uh, along with a bunch of other people, um, but eventually got inside the lobby and really just watched brown and black people verbally scratch each other's eyes out over these issues, right? And I just left there with so much psychic pain because really we're once again making people who already live in pain and trauma fight each other to get a few crumbs, right? When what really could happen is that the Park District Board of Commissioners who sees themselves as trying to make this process better. And so does Superintendent Escareño, and they were glad they got more out of Riot Fest. Said, but you know what, you guys could have just presented to Riot Fest a community benefits framework that said, this is the category of things and the kinds of things we want you to give the community in order for you to get your permit, right? Instead of just saying, fill out the permit application and then all hell can break loose between community and people can nearly kill each other and scream at each other and create racial tension where there isn't racial tension over things like, you know, I watched an older woman yesterday telling people that if they didn't agree with her, it's because they didn't like black people and they don't want any investment in their community. Even though I've been at meetings for the last eight months with black people standing up and they're saying, I don't want riot fest, right? It's, they're turning something into a racial thing. It doesn't have to be a racial thing. We have lots of racial pain in our communities. They're real issues, but then we exacerbate things with stuff that's fake, right? Yeah. In order to let capitalists do whatever they want to do with our communities and give a few crumbs to the neighborhood and give people a few jobs and say, this is economic development, right? <sighs> and I say all that to say, I don't necessarily think every concert in a park is bad. <laughs> there are times when it makes sense, it's contextual, right? But the process 
the painful process of making poor people fight for scraps is not the way mm. to figure this out. That's what I have to say. Yeah. Wow. And um, I'm over the map with this one, and I'll tell you why. Uh, so, again, uh, anybody who doesn't know what specifically this is, Riot Fest uh, is a big concert. Uh, most, I, I mean, I'm not in the I stopped listening to music in 79, so I don't even know uh, the groups. I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to fess up. Uh, but it's looking at uh, the pictures of the groups and looking at the people who showed up. Uh, it's more like white people's music. Okay. Yes. And it's in a park uh, that's surrounded by uh, mostly black and Latino communities. Okay. Yes. So there's that dynamic. Yes. Uh, and the people who go there pay money uh, to see how many hours i forget i don't I mean, know two, or, two, two three days over a weekend you know of concerts yeah of concerts around the clock that's not my thing i admit that up front i wouldn't be quite dead near any anything like that okay so i could I listen that. to it from my window when i lived in when it was in humble park <laughs> it was in humble park for a long time yes uh and again it, it all stems from the attitude that parks are not public space that the public has for like outdoor things, their vacant space that could be rented out, in this case, rented out. And it's like Lollapalooza. And I've never been a fan of Lollapalooza. Don't get all mad at me. It's just not my kind of music. It's not my kind of thing. But I keep I keep quiet because I understand the contribution that Lollapalooza makes to the city, both in terms of financially to a certain degree, but also just to the city's image. The notion that Chicago is a place you come to is very attractive to the people who run this city. Very important to the people who run this city, that Chicago be viewed as a place that people come to. They're not afraid to come here. They enjoy coming here, et cetera, and so forth. I understand that. Okay. I get it. I'm not that much of a lefty. I get it. I understand it. I still don't like the principle of just routinely turning over parks for huge concerts. And, yeah, and, and this is the thing. It's how much do the tickets cost, right? Because I had this conversation in the context of Humble Park with my community, where after Riot Fest was thrown out of Humble Park, a lot of the new young white folks would say, well, then why do you guys get to have your Puerto Rican festival? And I'm like, the Puerto Rican festival is free. You know, whereas you got to spend a hundred dollars to buy a ticket, you know, to go to the other thing. So it's not the same thing. Now, Wait, nowadays, come on. white people actually say that to yeah. you. Oh, absolutely. All the time. And on social media in the neighborhood, you know, all these next door and Facebook pages, you know, and it's like. Now, OK, so this year it had a cost. I paid fifteen dollars to get in to the festival in Humble Park this year. Right. But it's not a hundred dollars a day, you know. It's not apples to apples, right? Plus, you know, when I look at the analysis, it's also about cultural relevance, right? There's a chosen few picnic, there's househead, you know, house music in Jackson Park that guess what? Nobody's complaining about because the community sees this as theirs from their community for their community. That's a different thing than a concert that is mostly for kids who flew in from Seattle, right? Those are not the same thing. 
Well, wait, but by the way, and the $15, isn't that, is that a donation or? This year it was actual tickets, right? Okay. And honestly, the Humble Park Festival, you know, the Puerto Rican Festival has had its years of difficulty and finances and changes in, you know, what the city is willing to contribute and sponsorships, whatever. Okay. So now there is a small cost. Okay. Um, so anyway, there's a general uh, over uh, across the board principle, no concerts in park. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, and and it's, so it's like a case by case uh, basis, uh, and there's just an attitude uh, that like the Lollapalooza crowd has. I just call it the Lollapalooza crowd because uh, I'm putting them all under the same umbrella. I apologize to all the, the people who go to those concerts, but it's like, wow, we're doing you a favor by coming here because this was just dump. We chose to come here. It's this kind of attitude. Is like, well. Chicago existed long before the Foo Fighters. I'm just, that's, and I know that's coming to right. You know what I mean? Like there was a Chicago even before the Foo Fighters. And uh, Foo Fighter fans, I love you dearly. I'm sure it's great music. But point is, it's like you're not doing us a favor by coming to Chicago. It's not like Chicago is now credible. Chicago is safe. Chicago... You, you know what I mean? You're kind of just exposing all the hypocrisies and the inconsistencies, the double standards and the biases that exist in Chicago. That's yeah. Yeah. Know, like... yeah. Well, there's another point to this issue as well, is that there are places like Milwaukee that have a dedicated space for these festivals, right? So that all the concerts take place there, but it's not destroying another part of a, a park where there's also softball fields, where there's also yeah. soccer fields, where there's also programming that kids get displaced from because that part of the park is closed down and you can't get to the building, right? Because yeah. those are a lot of the issues that come with these concerts being in parks is they're displacing other people's uses of the parks, including other paid uses, right? And then they say, oh, well, they put money in to replant the grass. That's right. They ruin the grass in September and then they plant the grass and we can't walk there until the next year when they ruin the grass again and then they plant it again. So it just makes that part of the park off limits for a very yeah. long time, regardless of whether they come back and put money into fixing it. Yeah. Now it's... uh. This would be interesting, again, how uh, Brandon Johnson deals with this, uh, because, you know, there's a lot of love a mayor can get uh, in, in the immediate moment going to a concert and welcoming everybody to the concert. Lori Lightfoot delighted in going to Lollapalooza. Rahm Emanuel delighted in going to Lollapalooza. Uh, I don't see any of it at the Jazz Festival. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, please, guys, you, I'm not asking you to come to the jazz festival. I just noticed you're not really into jazz. Um, it's so, you know, if like Brandon came to the Riot Fest, everybody would cheer and it, it, would, it would bolster his image and his reputation. It would be the equivalent of this Jack Lavin story. Like, oh my God, he wasn't the devil. He was a human being. And get this, he shook my hand. <laughs> amazed <laughs> wow and uh so i'll be watching how he deals with this i i, and I say this and people go oh, ben you're a hypocrite because i i go to they used to have this concert it was like old people concert uh in um grant park the at the band shell yeah at patillo band shell and so when they had taste of chicago it was like the end of Taste Chicago. They would have the old group for people mm -hmm. who stopped listening to music sometime in the 70s. And yeah. I've 
my wife and I, we've seen so many wonderful concerts that we absolutely enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so I talk about them. People go, Ben, you're a hypocrite. I could just see your, your friend from Seattle. You want to yeah. see George Clinton and I can't see the Foo Fighters. And so I'm like, man, you can go see the Foo Fighters. I'm just saying, I don't know. Well, there's free music at the Pritzker Pavilion all the time, right? But it's not just about there being music. It's not just there about being a concert. It's about trampling a space that is meant for other things it's about cost it's about it's about a lot of things not just whether we get to go to a free concert in the park (laughs) yes uh it's about there's a lot at stake here and good luck uh mayor johnson uh uh, dealing uh by the way that's what we say take them take some of those concerts to soldier field uh and uh let's close with a twofer (laughs) <laughs> the Bears and NASCAR. And since we're talking about parks and park space, uh, love to get your thoughts on NASCAR. I, I'm, I'm kind of like NASCAR is a trip, man, uh, because Chicago's got like two thoughts of it. Like I could see the Chicago brain dealing with two comp, uh, contradictory thoughts at the same time as we uh, struggle with this. So to bring NASCAR, the race, uh, uh, racing event, uh, to the city of Chicago, they are effectively shutting down. Shutting down uh, Lakeshore Drive, uh, all the roads just west of Lakeshore Drive. It's causing problems for the museums uh, that are just very close to where the track will be. They've effectively told the city of Chicago that from this point in June to some point after June, July 2nd, uh, you're just not going to be able to have access to this space because we're turning it over to NASCAR. And so that gets Chicagoans mumbling as they grumbling as they think of four lanes being forced to go to two lanes on Lakeshore Drive and in one lane in some cases and all the inconvenience. People are like, on the other hand, it's like public attention. NASCAR is a national story. And Chicagoans are like, oh, my God, people are talking about Chicago. We're important. We matter. (laughs) That old Chicago Second City complex hits. And uh, it's so Chicago is just dealing with this. All at once, it's overwhelming, Juanita. What is your attitude about NASCAR coming to Chicago? Well, first of all, I mean, doesn't Chicago really have really great tourism already? Like, you know, we think that we're like in in the dumps and we're not, you know. So I I, I just feel like there's this addiction, you know, thing about we, we have to do the next biggest, coolest thing because people are going to forget that we're here and that we're great. Um, so I just think that's ridiculous. I will say I get calls all the time. People are like, why aren't you suing to get rid of NASCAR? You know, and, you know, wouldn't it be nice if everything that we thought was really stupid um, had a legal lever to get rid of it? And that's just not the case, right? Um, so, you know, I think I'm going to duck and look away and not be in Chicago and make sure my staff don't need to go to the office during the next couple of weeks um, because it's going to be hell um, being down there. I did drive past the grandstands uh, the other day and I can see how, you know, some people will find it cool and interesting, but I'm still worried about cars flying through the air, um, you know, safety concerns. I, I've heard, you know, some of the explanations lately that, oh, that driver who was talking about maybe it wasn't safe didn't really mean that. And it was just that it might mean they have to drive slower around the 90 degree turns. I mean, I just think it's crazy. Yeah, no, that was uh, the driver's Bubba Wallace. 
Yeah. Uh, probably the only NASCAR driver that I can name. Uh, he's the guy they push forward uh, as the front man uh, for this project in Chicago because I, I believe he's the only black driver on the NASCAR circuit. Uh, and so uh, he came to Chicago and they, there was a press conference. They made it seem like this was a civil rights initiative. Like they were trying to, uh, you know, this, like this deal was going to somehow or other benefit black people in the city of Chicago. I'm like, and every time they need to sell something to the public, this is where they go with it. Uh, and, um, uh, and he made a comment to a reporter regarding, he was uncertain about the, the race course itself. And that, uh, was taken to believe that maybe he was worried about cars flying off the race course yeah. and then that NASCAR officials assured the city of Chicago no he's talking about the race itself and how drivers were handling the curves so um yeah I could uh, you know uh contradictions here are so many uh this was about a year ago I don't know if you're following this there was a panic about drag racing in the city of Chicago is overtaking the city uh and now they're saying well we really want to encourage young people to think about speed racing as a career and a vocation i'm like wait which one is it you want to deter the drag racing or you want mm-hmm. city of chicago will say absolutely anything ladies and gentlemen to promote whatever they want to promote and it's upon you it's coming upon you now don't be like maga don't just swallow whatever they tell you because oh well maga donald trump said it you're a little more you're you're chicagoans you're democrats you're a little smarter you're more sophisticated you don't have to believe whatever your mayor your alderman your park district commissioner uh says it's not like written stone okay you're better than maga how about that all right bears 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 wow they want out of sort of we could do a whole show on this and we're closing down this segment with it uh so We'll we'll take a mini 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 dive, not a deep dive. Yep. Your general thoughts uh, about the Bears playing Arlington Heights off of Waukegan, off of who else? Naperville, uh, mm-hmm. and now the city of Chicago to yeah. try to get the best handout, the biggest handout they can get for their stadium. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, they're doing what they need to do to get the best for them. I think nobody thinks that Soldier Field is the right place for them, including them. <laughs> And including, you know, most folks have figured out that, you know, subsidy to get them to have a dome stadium to keep them at Soldier Field is kind of crazy. And there's, you know, public trust doctrine that really Friends of the Parks will clearly wield if necessary to keep them from trying to build some, you know, big community of other amenities down, um, you know, and at the lakefront at the current location, right? So, um, you know, I think they are thinking about other big swaths of land. And the most interesting conversation that I've heard is folks thinking that they should go down to the USX site in South Chicago. Um, And I don't know what anybody down in the neighborhood thinks. Um, So I'm just very interested in you know, hearing hearing community conversation about those things. But I, I, you know, the idea of subsidizing them, you know, who wants to give billionaires tax, you know, subsidies? I, I don't hear many people wanting to do that. Yeah, uh, Delmarie Cobb, good friend of the show, wrote an essay or her column. She set it out yesterday uh, where she was inviting the Bears to take a look at that south side uh, uh, site, the old steel and yards. Cam Buckner said the same thing. Yes, Cam Bunker yeah. said he he said it on the show uh, on this show about two 
two weeks ago as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to bring both of them back. We'll have a full discussion about this. I'm fascinated by it. it I'm against the uh, the idea of giving the Bears a handout uh, to build in a place that doesn't need investment. Yeah. So like I'm I'm telling the people out in the heights, look, you do whatever you want to do, but yeah. uh, I got a feeling that old racetrack. Uh, that the Bears purchase and then they're tearing down, demolishing the racetrack. I believe in time you would fill that place up. Just like I believe Lincoln Yards in time would have filled up without the handout. We yeah. didn't need to give them that handout. Yeah. Uh, it may not have been the spectacular project they had in mind, which they're not getting anyway, but yeah. you would have developed it over time. Yeah. So that it's a similar principle. But then you get into something like, uh, a site, a huge vacant site on the south or west side. And I'm like, well, now I'm listening. Yeah, it's different. What, yeah, well, what's the, all right, all right, what's the community benefits agreement going to look like? What are yeah. you going to offer? How are you going to work with the existing parks uh, that are there right now? Yeah. You could give a whole lecture about all the parks on the far southeast side that That's are joined this potential site and how a bear stadium may or may not fit with that. Right. Uh, what, what are what are our other alternatives to developing the site? And we're going to sink public money in this. What are our other alternatives? That's you right. know, like a legitimate conversation, the kind that never happens in the city of Chicago. I just want to say, you know, it's a... that's right. Well, the Alliance of Southeast has been holding together the coalition for a Southworks CBA for a long time. And so I would imagine that their voice would throw itself into the mix if the city tried to move this forward. I would hope that with uh, Brandon Johnson as mayor that he would be talking to them. Um, and they represent folks as far north as South Shore Cultural Center and as far south as the Indiana border, um, who've been thinking about what should happen at that site. And they have four pillars that I believe are economic development, workforce type things, affordable housing, environment, um, I'm missing one, right? But they put that together on their own, um, like before we even knew that it was happening and we were like, woohoo, this is great because we love how it aligns with our, our, our parks vision. But folks should be talking to them in that community. And would folks like that think it was worth public subsidy to make sure a community like that was getting you know, a real benefit from it? That's a good question. Yeah, we'll see. And again, I... The skeptic in me thinks this is just all a play by the Bears yes. to force Arlington Heights to give them a deal on the property taxes, to put a cap on their property taxes. And and so they're playing all these other rival sites against yep. Arlington Heights. That's, I think, the play there. And, yep. you know, so to a certain degree, we're just yep. helping the Bears make yep. even more money than they're making, not that yeah. they'll ever return the favor with a good football team. All right, Juanita, thank you so much. It's been a blast. And you did your homework. Ladies and gentlemen, she had to do homework. She had to get read <laughs> stories. I mean, my I'm brain just... work on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Jeez. Yes, <laughs> to work. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, uh, Juanita. And we'll be talking to you real soon, all right? All right. Thanks a lot. It's good to be all with right. you. That's the great Juanito uh, Irizarry from Friends of the Parks. I also want to thank Producer Chris for doing an outstanding job. And I think Juanito will agree when I say this. Hey, Producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, you can always download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, all at chicagoreader.com. Follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram, at Benny J Show, and all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.